Welcome to the Deep Cover Podcast. My name is Mike Crawford. Uh, if you're one of the few uh, family members or small circle of friends on Twitter, you might know me as at Abukari, at A-B-U-K-A-R-I. I'm joined by my illustrious co-hosts, two young men who really don't need an introduction. I'm going to go ahead and set them up anyway. We got Chris Aguilera, Carrie Stevenson, both two-time. Check it. Two times. Not once. <laughs> NFL preseason DFS champs. Everybody knows NFL preseason DFS is, is where the real ballers where the real ballers play. Not in that not in that regular season mess. Uh, so Carrie, Chris, hey, welcome to the first the inaugural, the maiden voyage of this podcast. What's going on with y'all? Good man. Still trying to count the money from uh, all my winnings. You know, you know. Set set my lunch up real nice. Set my my DFS start to the regular season off real nice with those couple deposits. You know. Well, you know, I did my I did my part to really you know kind of help y'all out that way. Uh, taking four, <laughs> taking four L's in a row. So <laughs> always like to you know help help out help out brothers when I can. <laughs> I'm glad I could contribute to that. Uh, but you know we we all kind of have interacted with each other on Twitter, um, kind of run in some of the same Ravens Twitter streets and uh, just decided to uh, to get together and uh, work on this little podcast project and, uh, you know, see what we could do with it. So it'll be, you know, it'll have a Ravens focus, but we're not going to limit ourselves to just the Ravens. We'll talk about the rest of the league. We'll talk about fantasy. We'll talk about college football. We might even talk about stuff outside of football. You know, we, we why, why we have to limit ourselves to just that, you know, I mean, there's, there's we, we have a lot of opinions. We have a lot of thoughts. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of the whole reason that you have a podcast is to get that stuff out there and uh, to share it. So we'll be doing that. And uh, who knows, there'll probably be some music in here at some point. We all we all are music lovers and, uh, you know, kind of want to get that in where we can, too. So um that's kind of a layout of sort of what I what we think the the podcast you know could look like, but who knows? You know, this thing's gonna be organic, take on a life of its own. Kind we'll of like like how this this uh, whole this whole podcast came to came about because this just started from DFS playing and it's snowballed into, hey, let's do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It's, it was it was organic. I mean, I know we all talked about that about how we just wanted something that was natural that just flowed that wasn't you know overly structured or pre-scripted or anything like that and you're right that's really you know kind of where this just where this just popped off from and i think it helped that our our first phone call to each other was like about three and a half hours long going like into midnight past midnight right we had three shows right off the top. <laughs> didn't didn't record. Didn't record. <laughs> not even a lick. A second didn't, of it. I know, man. We didn't we didn't learn. We got to learn your lesson, right? Andre told us you can't afford not to record. You got to hit that button every time because you never know what kind of gold you know might be might be sitting there. Uh, but we're recording this time, and so um, without further ado, uh, we'll kind of get in, I guess, to to some of the meat of this. So. Uh, I thought, you know, we cover kind of some ground here. We talk about the Ravens 53-man roster. Um, we talk about some of the other maybe notable cuts around the league, notable trades around the league. Um, 
probably even, you know, dip our toe more so you guys because you're two time champs, dip your toes into any of the fantasy implications of, of all of that. And uh, if we're not going on three hours at that point, uh, we'll, we'll try to jump into some uh, first week of college football uh, sort of takes. The real, Let's talk about this Ravens 53-man roster. Um, I don't know that there were any huge surprises uh, for me, per se. I think, you know, we kind of touched on this a little bit before we started recording that seeing them release Willie Henry might have been one of those surprises, but that it kind of made sense um, when you when you think back to that last preseason game. I know, Chris, you kind of were, were talking about that before we started. Yeah, it was um it, the, the writing was on the wall when when you see it's the fourth quarter of the fourth preseason game and Willie Henry's still out there. You know, it was it was probably shouldn't have been as shocked when I saw he was released, but um it was it was still kind of kind of shocking because like you said earlier, they're only going to have five defensive linemen now. And a lot of them aren't aren't proven. I mean, they got Dalen Mack who's going to be there who's a, a rookie, really, and uh, it's going to be Brandon Brandon Williams, you know, Michael Pierce, uh, Chris Warmly, who hopefully could take that, that next step and kind of add something that, you know, we haven't really had that much of, that much consistency of his uh, interior pass rusher. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about that, Gary? Yeah, I think it was... Uh, it was obviously shocking to, you know, to begin with to see that cut. But like uh, Chris said, the writings, you know, were kind of on the wall. And when you think about it more and more, it's smart from the standpoint of the NFL is really, I think, 2018, the whole league as a whole was 74% of the time it, with five DBs or more on the field. The Ravens kind of fall in line with that as well. You know, I think um, – uh, Ken McCusick had a number of like 1.8 defense alignment on the field per snap, something like that. So, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get a um, Trace McSorley, you know, on the 53-man roster, if you're trying to make sure you got nine alignment, if you're trying to make sure you got a couple, you know, special teams guys in the secondary, you know, that's kind of the place you want to try to, you know, make yourself kind of thin is a position where you're not, you know, using as much. Yeah. And that, that I, I saw that same tweet from Ken um, always, you know, he's on top of the, on top of the numbers all the time for sure. Um, but it also made me think about DaCosta and, you know, his, his love of, of money ball and how much he values analytics and, how, you know, when you, you think about those numbers, you think about how much, you know, defenses are in sub package now and how much you, you know, you have sometimes even those hybrid kind of D-line guys. I mean, we know Pernell McPhee from his first time here in Baltimore was a guy who um, could play inside, you know, they could kick him inside in pass rush situations. Um, they did that a little bit, a little bit this preseason with, uh, with, with the rookie Jalen Ferguson. You know, they had him kind of lining up at like five technique, I think a little bit. So, um, you know, they probably felt like, look, you know, that's really what the numbers bear out. And we've got some guys who we can really maybe steal some snaps from. 
uh, in terms of being able to kick them inside uh, to, to supplement those five sort of true, you know, I use that word, if you will, true defensive linemen uh, to, to be able to supplement those guys with. So I think it was just like we both, we, we've kind of all said it was the initial shot because you think about Henry as a guy that even though he hasn't played a lot, like when he's played, I think most people kind of had the sense that he might have been their best interior pass rusher. Right. You know? yeah. And so it was that from that standpoint, I think it was kind of a shock to see the move. But then, you know, with everything that we kind of just kicked around here, kind of, you know, seems a little bit more reasonable. And then Carrie, you meant you mentioned trying to maneuver the roster to get other guys on. And one guy you you mentioned was Trace McSorley. Now that might have been I surprise might not be the right word because I think he kind of played his way on. But I don't know that if you were to go back to the draft and then the beginning of every, you know, OTAs, rookie minicamp, people really thought that he had a shot, you know, to make it um, outside of being this, you know, special teams contributor, sort of gadget play kind of contributor, which we never really got a chance to see in the preseason (laughs) because (laughs) RG3 got hurt and Trace just had to be straight quarterback. And that that probably ended up saving him in the long run because – I mean, as like three weeks ago, I didn't have him making the team. I remember, Mike, you you asked me, you said, do I have Trace making the team? I said, no, I don't think so. But with the way he's played and the way he's progressed, it was it was kind of like, how can you deny him that spot? Yeah, he didn't do anything to, um, you know, not earn his way on the team. You know, there wasn't anything that you really could look at from how he played to say, Oh, you know what, this guy, he just hasn't done enough. You know, I mean, he really, he really played pretty well. Of course he, he had his mistakes like any rookie QB does, you know, um, in, in the games. And then there were reports uh, about some of the the joint practices. I think it was the joint practice with the Eagles, especially where they say he really kind of struggled in those practices. But, you know, to me, that's to be expected uh, with any young quarterback to kind of have those ups and downs, but then to see him kind of bounce back in the actual games and really play well. And, you know, that, that game against the Eagles and then the game against Washington, you know, he, he really kind of played well. And uh, you saw him connect with a guy like Jaleel Scott, you know, there's another guy who I think the drumbeat on him had been positive all throughout the off season yeah. from rookie minicamp, OTAs, all of that stuff that, there was just this real positive drumbeat that, you know, he was looking good. He kind of really had, uh, you know, made a, made a big step from what he looked like last year to this year. And then it was borne out, you know, throughout the, the games and the practices. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, he's on the 53. Yeah, and I think as, as Ravens fans, we're always apprehensive about those reports when it comes to wide receivers because we've been burned so much by those positive reports. And so when we hear that Jaleel Scott is killing – He's killing all summer. He's killing all throughout camp. We're like, yeah, yeah, okay. But then when we see it translate to the game, and then he's actually, you know, making tackles on special teams too, I think that's when everyone collectively was like, oh, okay, so this isn't just a practice thing. He's actually made some progress, and and you can see it on the field. Yeah, that's when it was real for me. Uh, I agree. When you saw him show up on special teams, when you saw him blocking downfield on run plays and then obviously he's a receiver. So you would, you expect, you know, him to, to make plays catching the ball, but then, you know, he, he's like mossing people, you know, in games yep, right. and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe this is for real. You know, this isn't, this isn't just kind of that, that, that preseason hype or that preseason talk 
that, you know, there's usually one or two guys who get that every year. And then when the lights come on, you know, it's not the same thing. But uh, he uh, he definitely played up to it uh, this time. Um, Carrie, anybody else uh, on the offensive side that kind of stood out to you? I was going to jump over the defense and it may carry or Chris. Either, either one of you guys could, could take it. On the yeah. uh, offensive side? Yeah. I know we haven't talked about left guard at all. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm, su- I was surprised they kept uh, nine. I wasn't uh, against it because there were just there were a lot of uh, talented young guys on there, like you know Sanat and then Makari. I actually had Makari not making it, mm-hmm. um, but uh, he definitely deserved a spot. I mean, the way they used him that last game, where they lined him up literally across the board. And to have someone with that kind of versatility, especially when they traded Illuminor, it's that's that's a valuable asset to have on your team. Right. I think that uh, Illuminor trade, I think maybe my first tweet right after the trade was a Macari is locked in now. I mean, you kind of just saw that with, you know, I think Illuminor's biggest kind of uh, asset to the roster was his... Um, his versatility, you know, being able to play tackle and guard, you know, you may do little rabbit ears when you say versatility, but you know, that, that'll get you blocked on Twitter. Trust me. I know. <laughs> yeah, He don't play. He don't play when it comes to blocking people, man. I don't even know what I said. I don't even think I said anything and I got blocked. Yeah. But. Yeah. I wasn't even disrespectful with it or anything. I just said, um, you know, I, I felt like, um, who was it? The who was the guard that we had that that um just couldn't couldn't stay healthy? Alex Lewis. Um, no, it was not. It wasn't Lewis. It was um uh, Saragusa, Nico okay. Saragusa. Uh-huh. And so when they went with Illumino over Saragusa, man, like Saragusa was a draft crusher, man. So you know, I might have got on and said something slick, but you know, <laughs> I look up and I'm blocked. I'm like, okay, right. I think mine came from like a subtweet. Like I had said something positive about him. And then somebody else came back with like, oh, you know, you I don't know how well, you know, you say he's versatile and he can play guard or tackle. I don't know how well he can do either one of those. And I think I was like, well, yeah, you know, that might be debatable, but he has that versatility. Next thing I knew, I was blocked. <laughs> so, I was like, I didn't think that was that bad. But you, you, you caught a straight bullet. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, the streets, you know, they don't have no names on them. So <laughs> yeah. You got to you got to watch yourself. But yeah, I, I you know. In in the little projection that we did, the prediction, I actually had nine. I had um, Powers, Bozeman, Makari, and Sanat. And I really, my 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 head caused me to pick Sanat. My heart really didn't have him on there. Um, and I and and then when I thought about it, I was like, that that really was kind of dumb though, really to not have him on there because uh, it's not his fault that he's been dealing with injuries. Um, you know, he missed last year, but you still got a young developmental left tackle. Um, you're not just going to let that guy go. You know, he's, he's, he's shown he's shown some flashes when he's been on the field. And then particularly after, like you said, Kerry, after they traded Illuminor, then you're thinking, OK, well, whoever, who, who else do they have who can back up a tackle? They got James right. Hurst. Right. He's done it. He's done right tackle. He's done left tackle. He's done guard. You know, I don't think a lot of people 
similar to what we were just saying with uh, Illuminor, you know, I think, you know, James Hurst is, is his versatility is probably his best attribute. But then people will say, well, yeah, he's playing all these spots, but how well, you know, is he playing, especially like left tackle? So um, with that in mind, then I was like, well, then it does kind of make sense that they would keep Sanat because out of all those other guys, he's, you know, the closest sort of true tackle that they have. I know McCarty right. played tackle in college at Cal, but I don't know that he's practiced there since he's been with the Ravens. I know he's been at guard. He's been at center. But I don't I don't know that he's been at tackle since then. So it kind of made sense um, from that perspective. And then I guess the last thing I'll say is I didn't realize Kenneth Dixon was hurt to that extent where he would be IR'd. And, you know, I think I saw a tweet today from Sarah Ellison saying that it's probably just a matter of time. They're just trying to reach a, a an injury settlement with him. So. Ken, you know, he's he's a guy, I, I, I think we we all like him. Uh, he's a talented guy. I think until maybe this year when they signed Ingram, you could you could make the argument that he might have been the most talented pure runner. You know, maybe if, if you're just focusing on that, if you're not talking about pass blocking or, you know, I think he was a solid receiver. But if you're just talking about pure running ability, contact balance, patience, vision, all that stuff. He might have been their most talented runner before Ingram came on this year. So, right. uh, but he just hadn't been able to 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 kind of put it all together. You know, it's been off the field stuff. It's been injuries, and you know, this was the last year of control that they had on over him. You know, from a contract standpoint. So I guess, you know, it was just the writing was kind of on the wall there too. Yeah. What is it like a dislocated knee that he has? I don't know. Does that well, I, some yeah, type I, I of fracture of the knee? I believe is is what I read. Okay. Because if that's the case, he he was playing through that injury. Yeah, that's and that's what I was. I didn't know what it was, so I, I definitely defer to y'all too because it sounds like y'all saw something on it, um, on that. But that's what I was thinking. I knew that he had been dealing with something throughout the preseason. I'm like, well, he's in this last game, and then whatever he's been dealing with. And then it might have got aggravated during the game or maybe he got something new during the game, but he was still playing through it. So I was like, he knows what time it is, you know, and, and kind of kind of what's up. And so he's trying to put that tape out there, not if not necessarily to make the Ravens, but just for the rest of the league, you know. So, yeah, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the third game where he kind of landed and he was on one leg and someone kind of buckled his knee trying to tackle him. And then he came up limping after that. And uh, I think he went back in the game, too. And then for the, the fourth game, he played, too. Yes, and I pulled it up right now. Um, Harbaugh said that it's a... a uh, see. Hold on, sorry. Yeah, a fractured knee. Okay. Okay, well, hey, I'm... If... If what Sarah Ellison says is true, that they're just trying to reach an injury settlement, uh, I might be in the minority, but I'm going to pour one out for Kenny Dixon. Uh, <laughs> he's been a fan of mine. You know, I've been a fan of his ever since the draft coming out of La Tech and uh, just, you know, was all was always hoping that, you know, hey, this this next season, you know, he's going to put the off the field stuff behind him. He's going to be able to, you know, get some luck with the injury bug and, and then really put a whole season out there and show people what he can do. And, you know, it just, it just never really materialized that way. So pour one out for Kenny. Uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll jump over to the defense. Um, for me, I guess it was, um, oh, that's what it was. Now it's coming back to me. The one guy I didn't have, Alaka. 
Otara Alaka. I did not have him uh, on my 53, and that was probably a mistake considering how much they value special teams here. Uh, you know, Harbaugh being a former special teams coach. And then um, Jeff Rebeck actually made the point to me. He said, with them losing Jerry Rossberg, too, um, you know, they're probably going to maybe even put a little bit more of an emphasis on some special teams players at the back end of the roster. Cause he was saying quiet as kept. They really weren't that good on special teams last year. He said, obviously Justin Tucker and Sam cook, you know, they are who they are, but he said in terms of coverage, they really had kind of taken a step back from the standard that they had been, you know, used to, to, to being at. So he, he kind of really felt like they were going to make, um, you know, make it a priority to keep some some purely special teams guys, or at least guys who who you know really kind of stand out on special teams. So you saw that with Justin Bethel. You saw that with them bringing Brendan Trowick back. You know, even after having initially releasing him. So I didn't have a locker, and then let's see. I think I had all the corners. I think I had the five safeties. Um, so yeah, I think I was good there. But anything stand out to either one of you guys about defense? I, yeah, I would thing. say here uh, that focus on uh, special teams, you know, when when they brought in Trowick, I thought it was going to kind of be like a angling towards, you know, cutting Bethel and getting that comp pick. And then turns out, you know, they, they go ahead and keep both of them. So definitely, you know, you can tell there's a, uh, you know, focus on, on special teams. Um, the one thing I'm kind of waiting on the shooter drop is, you know, at inside linebacker, do they go out there and get a veteran guy? You know, me personally, I think I would roll with the three that they have with, um, you know, peanut, I think is, you know, ready to emerge as a, you know, big time player, you know, Chris borders look good. And then, you know, we all, love the potential of uh, Kenny Young. And so I think I would roll with those three still, you know, play a lot of nickel, play a lot of dime with, you know, Levine kicking in and, uh, you know, playing that dime linebacker role. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they if they look to kind of shore up that spot as these, um, you know, rosters start to take shape. Yeah, I um... – I agree, man. I I I kind of I kind I'm with you that I I think that they'll they'll roll with who they've got at inside linebacker now. The the Paul Warlow thing was interesting because you know why do you make that move unless you feel like you want that veteran presence? Um, he's a guy who's who's played in you know a lot of games. You know, I mean, I'm not saying he was a star per se, but you know, he's a guy who who's seen a lot of snaps and a lot of playing time. I think and, he led the, the Falcons in tackles two years in a row. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he, you know, he, he's not, he wasn't just, you know, any old guy that they picked up. And then it was funny. I was joking with somebody the other, when, when, you know, he announced that he was retiring like a day or two after they signed him. I was like, maybe he just wanted to retire Raven. I don't know. He, he came in here, he signed his contract and then he retired. But, um, so that move, you know, that that's partly why I didn't have a lock on my 53 because I was thinking back to that move and I'm like, well, they probably still want to bring another vet in. And so maybe they'll leave that fourth spot, that fourth inside linebacker spot and try to bring somebody in. But once they kept him on, then I was like, well, maybe not. Maybe they're comfortable. They just 
they they that was just one of those moves where you know right player uh, right situation and so they jumped on it and you know it just didn't work out because he made the choice to retire but maybe maybe they really weren't looking it just like i said just was the right player in the right situation so they jumped but um you definitely do see uh the potential in that young group i mean you could see peanut and how he was flying all over the field in the preseason um it was good for me anyway i know they were really vanilla on defense and i think wink even said they they use the same defensive game plan all four preseason games (laughs) they still had kenny young doing the things that kenny young did last year i mean they're just letting him shoot gaps (laughs) they're blitzing him uh they're getting him on running backs and you know he's winning those matchups and and they're you know they're still using him that way so i was i was encouraged to see that and then um you know, Chris Board, I kept wondering, you know, I was hearing all preseason about how much of a step he had taken and he had kind of maybe passed Kenny Young a little bit in the competition. And, uh, you know, he did look good. He did look good. I still don't know how I feel about that. I'm a big Kenny Young fan. And I really thought Kenny Young was ready to step into that role. Um, well, initially, I thought next to CJ when when I thought they were still going to keep CJ. <laughs> but then even after CJ left, I was like, oh, no, nah, he's ready to he's definitely ready now to step into that role next to Peanut. So um, obviously, I wasn't at all of the practices. I made it to two of them. Um, and he was, you know, board was definitely you could see a difference from from, you know, last year to this year. But I don't know. I'm still I'm still kind of reserving judgment on, you know, exactly how I feel about that. I, they'll rotate them for sure. I think both guys are kind of going to rotate in there next to Peanut, but we'll see how it yeah. goes. What, what would you think, Chris? Yeah, with Board, I think it. Um, I think it'll just take him some time because in the preseason, uh, for the you know, the limited amount of plays that he did have, he was. You could tell he was kind of thinking out there. He wasn't playing fast because what I, I went back to his um, his college film, and the first thing that pops off is how fast he is, and just how quick he is to trust his eyes and and go right to the ball. But in the preseason, he was kind of just like thinking, like I, I don't want to make this mistake. I don't want to take a, the false step this way. But I think that just comes with reps. So I think the more reps he has, the faster we'll see him play. And I think that's probably what they would get in the, in the practices. Yeah, the ability is definitely there. I, you're you're right. I remember watching him. I think he he was North Dakota State, right? Yeah, yeah. He, th- three time champ, I think. Yeah, and he and he basically was like an overhang player, almost like a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he played he out of the over. right. Yeah, yeah, he played outside of the box a lot. Um, and so you know, you got to be able to run and you got to be able to move. Um, to play out in space like that. So you can see that. You can definitely see that even in the preseason games. But I agree with you. You you could see just maybe a little bit of the processing, you know, going on, you know, mentally, just kind of really trying to think through things and instead of really being able just to let it go and just play fast. But hey, like like you said, it just takes reps. And like Air Reed said, you can't teach reps, man. You can't, you can't That's teach right. reps. You just <laughs> gotta get them. You just gotta get them in. And uh he's good looks like he's gonna get that opportunity. Uh, to get those in. So uh, unless either one of you, you know, want to want to hit on anything else um, with the roster. I mean, we, we kind of were just talking about some of the things that were kind of notable to us. But, um, you know, you, you could we could talk about even sort of the expected stuff, too, if you want. Just I mean, not not that these guys were surprised to make the team, but just kind of what you see as maybe like a, you know, a, a projection, not not necessarily in numbers, but just. Now that the roster is set, now that you kind of know what the offense is going to look like, 
um, you know, sort of what you what you expect maybe early on. Well, one thing I wanted to hit on before is um, the the practice squad that they ended up having, ah, and it, yes. it was an it's an impressive set of names on the practice squad, and um, a couple of guys that snuck on like Antoine Wesley, who I did not think that they would be able to get onto a practice squad at all. And they were able to get him on. They got uh, Sean Moster, who was killing in the slot. All, that's all you would read about in practices. They can't cover him, and he's catching everything. Then DeLance Turner, who made the squad last year. He made it last year, right, over Gus Edwards. I think either he yeah. made it or he was like called in. From the practice, did he make the fifty-three, or did they? They he was on practice squad, and I thought they called him up. He was the first call up from the practice squad, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. And then they were able to get a Siler back on there, which is big too, with the, the only having the five defensive linemen. Yeah, and they got Kent with Kennedy. They got him back too. Yeah, they got yeah. him too. Who I didn't, I didn't even know he was still practice squad eligible because I feel yeah. like he's in my head. He's like thirty years old. <laughs> no, either either did I because I, I I don't I don't remember the you know I can't quote the exact rule but I I think it's something like two accrued you can't have more than two accrued seasons, uh, and I think an accrued season is like six games on the active roster or something like that. But somebody told me that it was uh, something injury related that he had some kind of injury exemption uh, mm, or something like okay. that. And that's that's how they were don't quote. I'm definitely not <laughs> official rules expert or anything like that. But no, yeah, I'm with you on Wesley. Um, I think he's a guy that, um, you know, you look at the potential. And again, another guy who flashed and made some plays and practices um, kind of up and down in games, you know, had some balls that you felt like he should have caught that he dropped and then had some other ones where he made uh, made some nice catches. And, you know, um, I remember I even tweeted out one um or I think it might have been from the Packers game, where the one thing that I kind of was looking for with him, because uh, I liked his talent, you know, looking at him at Texas Tech, um, I liked his 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 physical ability, but I was, you know, wanting to see how he would adjust to the physical contact. Because, um, you know, you don't see a ton of press coverage in college, um, particularly in the Big 12. Um, and so I was wondering how he would deal with that. And that was just one play, uh, you know, just one rep, but, he kind of really showed me that ability to kind of extend and keep his frame clean, you know, keep that DB's hand off of him and then kind of give just that, that little bit of the Michael Irvin sort of chicken wing, create just that little bit of separation right before the ball came in. So that was kind of encouraging. So I'm, I was happy that they got him on there. I was happy about monster. Uh, like you said, that's a, that's a solid, it's a solid practice squad. I mean, you got guys on there who have played in NFL games. I mean, a lot of times your practice squad, you got guys who haven't taken a regular season snap yet. And, you know, they've, they've got a couple of guys on there who, who've done that. Um, so I'm which I like the practice squad. I can't believe I forgot about that. That's, that's I, I heard some show. good things about um, RJ Prince, but I didn't, re- I haven't really taken a look at him. I'm not sure if you guys have the, um, the guard. Yeah. He, he played right tackle a lot for them this preseason. And, you know, I try to stay positive, you know, positive vibes only. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my thing with, with player evaluation. There's there's plenty of negativity out there I'll need to add to it. But um, RJ struggled a little bit, in my opinion, uh, out there at right tackle. Uh, you know, had some had some good plays, too. I mean, it's never one way. You know, it's never all one way or the other. It's never all bad or all good. But had some struggles at times. But. Um, you know, also had had some some more solid plays too. But yeah, you just it's a developmental 
talent, you know, somebody who who you want to try to continue to work with and uh, has shown some potential. And that's 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 a benefit of, of being able to be on the practice squad. You know, you're going to get to go against guys like McPhee, guys like Judon. You know, you're going to practice against the, the, the ones, you know, when you're doing scout team look and stuff like that. So that's a real benefit um, in terms of being able to continue to develop your game. I mean, sometimes I think that kind of goes underrated because people think, oh, these guys on practice squad, they're not going to play any games. But you're still practicing, you know, against the ones. So, I mean, you're, you're still able to kind of develop your game. And you're really only a couple of plays away from not being on the practice squad and being on the 53, you know, an injury or something like that. So uh, it's never that far away. Um, and what about you, Kerry? Do you want to hit on anything? Uh, yeah, I just had one um, kind of prevailing thought about the offense, man. And I'm just really looking at it. And, you know, as as kind of time is passing, I'm kind of, you know, putting all these things together. Um, you know, I think about the um, Nick Boyle extension. You sign a guy like that, you know, basically essentially an extra lineman, you know, probably four, five flat 40 type of guy, mauling blocker. Then you hear these rumors of, you know, Patrick Ricard about them, you know, looking at him maybe for an extension candidate. And you're talking about a big defense alignment slash fullback, big physical guy. You know, what do those two guys say and signify as far as the way they want to play? But then when you look at all these other elements, you add David Pulley as the passing game coordinator, you know, his long track record with Andy Reid. You look at them bringing in uh, Coach um, uh, Paul Johnson from Georgia Tech, bringing him in, maybe picking his brain. You look at Greg Roman, you know, being fully in charge and, you know, his very run scheme and what that means, man. And, then, and you know, you kind of got to – take things that Harb says with a grain of salt, but when he talks about having an offense that nobody's ever seen before, I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, man, maybe he's right. <laughs> maybe we are about to see an offense that we've never seen before because it just seems like there's so many different elements and and I haven't even talked about all the, you know, dynamic open field athletes they added, you know, via the draft with Boykin and Hollywood and Justice Hill. And I'm, and I'm just looking at this thing like, man, like we really could be in store for something, you know, very, very unique with this offense, man. It is an interesting combination. You, you, you nailed it, man. I mean, when you look at the different elements, so you've got, like you mentioned, guys like Boyle, guy like Ricard, first team uh, all pro preseason, by the way, Patrick. Most <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah. Preseason first team all pro. Yeah. No question. No question about that. But you got him, you got Boyle, you got some big guys on the offensive line. You've got a big back in Gus Edwards, Mark, uh, Mark Ingram, another guy who can bang it up in between the tackles. And so you look at that element and you're like, okay. They got this smash mouth thing going on. And, you know, Greg Roman talks about getting medieval on people and Ben Powers want to snatch people's souls. And, <laughs> you know, so you, you got that real, you know, kind of old school. And then, you know, then Paul Johnson and kind of the, the triple option and spread, you know, kind of elements that he brings in. But then you got all this speed, too. So now you got these guys in the open field, you know, who can run. You know, whether it's Hollywood, whether it's Boykin, who's big and fast, Justice Hill, 
you know, you got all of these guys and you're thinking, man, this is a really interesting combination of elements because you usually see it go one way or the other. Right. We're going to be smash mouth, then we're going to be smash mouth. We're going to spread you out with speed and quickness, and we're going to do that. But it looks like they're combining things to almost, you know, sort of take like a, a page out of the Patriots book. Like we can beat you in whatever way we need to beat you, right? We need to line up and run down your throat. We'll do that. We need to spread it out, throw it around. We'll do that. Whatever it takes to win that week, we'll morph into that and we'll do that. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting. We've not really seen that around here uh, from a Ravens offense to be able to have that kind of versatility. And I'm not saying we will. I'm just saying, you know, I agree with your point that you do see these different elements and it will be interesting to see how they blend them all together. So I think we kind of got all of our thoughts out there on the 53. Um, like I mentioned before, this will be a Ravens focus kind of show. So we'll always have Ravens talk. Obviously once the game start, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the team a lot then too. So that's a wrap for the first episode of the deep cover podcast. I'd like to thank Carrie and Chris for jumping on and help me get this off the ground. I uh, also want to shout them out on Twitter Carrie is at Carrie 1313 and Chris is at Chris Just Joking. Uh, I think we all had a lot of fun recording this first one. Look forward to doing another one and we'd love to get your feedback out there, uh, you know, positive and negative because we want to we want to keep improving and, and trying to make this thing better. So um, we hope you come back and until next time, we'll check you later.